Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. After a few years after I got saved, I got saved at 17. Uh, My best friend's dad was a Pentecostal preacher. He invited me to church. Um, I thought I was going to get kicked out of my family for going to a different church, but I ended up getting saved. And when I got saved, just a couple of years, maybe six months, a year, I had a dream. And I had a dream for probably a couple of times in a row. And I didn't know what it meant at the time, but the dream happened at least twice, I know, that was very vivid that I could remember. It was a dream where the Lord Jesus was actually defining my purpose in life. Now, if you go, really? I'd like to know my purpose. Well, I didn't know it at the time. I just had this dream. You see, the dream was, I remember sitting in the driveway of the house that I grew up in, and I was in the back of the truck bed with the tailgate down. That I remember very clearly. And what I remember in the dream is there were several people standing around, several people standing around the truck, and there were several people inside the truck, which is weird because, you know, a truck bed's not very big. It's five or six or whatever feet. And, but, but as I looked, I could see like there were just, there were just people. There were just people. And then there was, I looked out and I'm on this platform in this truck bed and there were people all over. And I didn't know who these people were. I mean, there were people who were listening. And I remember in my dream, even being a new Christian, I was preaching the gospel and inviting people to get in the truck. As a matter of fact, I remember so vividly helping somebody get in the truck bed because, you know, it's, it's a little bit higher. And as I preached the gospel, it was like, yeah, and, and they were rejoicing. And I remember looking over to my right, and I would see a man, and he had his arms crossed like this, and he's looking at me intently, and he wouldn't get in the truck. And then I saw the crowd as it, as it panned out, and I saw others crying And I saw others coming and running to the truck and wanting to get climb in, and I would help them get in the truck. Now, at the time, we often think our dreams are just a result of, hey, I'm a teenager and I had pizza before I went to bed, okay? What is this all about, right? Because we've we've all had crazy dreams. Like we've had, I mean, you probably can tell me some doozies that you've had, but I didn't understand it at the time, but I knew it was the Lord and I knew it was the gospel, I didn't know it then, but I know it now. The Lord had revealed my purpose, and my purpose in life was to help others get in the truck. And years, a few years later, as I was studying the scripture, the Lord reminded me of my dream, because Paul had that same kind of encounter. The Apostle Paul was preaching in in Athens, and he was actually telling people to get in the truck. I'm using it metaphorically. But in Acts chapter 17, 30 to 32, listen to what Paul says. He says, Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this by all raising to him from the dead. Notice verse 32. And when they heard, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while the others said, we will hear you again on this matter. So Paul, in preaching to the group of Athens, had that same encounter. He was preaching the resurrection, the gospel. He was preaching how people could get saved. Some of them mocked. Some of them looked and shook their head. This can't be. I think every one of us in this room has had that same experience as we witness and share to our loved ones. Some of them will look at us and, okay, well, I'll hear you again on this matter. Oh, that, that interests me. I wish I could tell you the first time I heard the gospel, I said, yes, that's for me. But I went, hmm, I don't know about this. Is this some kind of weird religion? 
It's the gospel. Yeah. But like most of you in this room, the scales fell from your eyes and you went, this thing's real. This, this thing's real. And it's the same today, church. You see, each week at Calvary, many people respond to the invitation. A lot of people will raise their, I want to get right with God. And others, well, I smile and I say, we're still waiting on. You see, because I never, I always want to say, people haven't got saved and I always use yet. Because as long as there's breath, God is still working on him. God is still working on him. God is still working on him. Well, fast forward, not a lot of years, but fast forward a few years. Here I am in my early 20s. And if you asked me and you said, Ben, um, do you believe in the return of Jesus for his church? Now, this would have been in the 80s, early 90s. Um, Let me just say this to you. I believed, but I wasn't really watching. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? You you knew it could happen, but you, you weren't really... You aren't really watching. And I would see beautiful sunsets on the way home. And I would think, Lord, I know you're going to come back, but please don't come back yet. I want to get married. I want to have a house. Oh, Lord. I'd love to go to Hawaii. I'd love to. Whatever you're, you're, we all, that's how we think. Now, we forget that heaven is a much better place, but let me say this to you. You know, we have kids nowadays that kind of feel the same way. Oh, I want to get my degree. I want to, I want to be married. I want to, I'd love to have a family. But what we forget is that we'll be gone for just a short seven years and then we're going to come back and this earth is going to be a lot better for, for all y'all than ever before. So you're not going to miss out on anything. It's actually going to be better. Think about a world where you're not have, you don't have to worry about going to the grocery store. And you're not on defense all the time. Can I get an amen? amen. We're on defense. We're always looking. It's like, okay, well, that guy looks sketchy. Uh, okay, I'm going to come over here, whatever. Guys, we live in a world where, where men follow women around the grocery store. And they follow, and, and they have little kids, and these guys are, and it's like, this dude shows up every aisle I'm in. Come on, that's sketchy, is it not? But the world is going to be so much better when the Lord Jesus comes and rules and reigns. That's going to be sweet. I believed, but I wasn't really watching. Now, let me just say this. There were a couple of years that really got my attention. There was an author back in 2004 or 5, he wrote a book, and his name is Daniel Matson, and he wrote a book where he mathematically um, calculated several years that the Lord could come back, one of them being 2006. Through all the years of Noah, mathematically, I looked at the book, I read the book, and I went, <gasps> and I'll never forget. It was the same week, the same Rosh Hashanah, the same time the Lord was supposed to come back. I'm driving to Amarillo. They're dedicating the building. I'm by myself, and I keep looking up, waiting for the Lord to come back. It wasn't a comforting time. It was actually stressful. You go, why? Because a lot of us sometimes doubt our salvation. Lord, am I going to go? Am am I going to go? That was one of those times. The other time was in 2017. I don't know if some of you remember 2017. Uh, videos went viral because these certain stars were lined up and all of this stuff was happening and there were some stars and blood moons and this guy and this and, and the Lord was going to come back and this never happened before and all this stuff. And everybody's like, and he didn't come back. He didn't come back. But let me say this to you. But today, I am watching, and I am ready. And it's the imminent return of the Lord Jesus for his bride. In other words, I'm ready for the rapture of the church to happen at any time. As a matter of fact, I was talking to my older brother on Tuesday night. 
And he told me, and I love this, he told me that he was ready for the Lord. And he said this. He says, as a matter of fact, this is my, you got to understand this. This is, this is a brother that I had witnessed to ever since I was 17. Now he tells me he's saved, and here's what he says, and here's what I love. He says, as a matter of fact, he says, he says he looks up in expectation for Jesus coming for us. And he said this to me, check it out, quote, especially on cloudy days. And I was like, wait, what? And he goes, yeah. And you go, why? Because it was Paul. Now listen to this, and, and jot this down somewhere in your notes. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, you know this. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. That's a good place for an amen. amen. <clears throat> then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet them in the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air. So the Lord, so my brother's like, especially when it's cloudy. I'm like, yes. And he says, thus shall we always be with the Lord. But look at verse 18. Therefore, everybody say therefore. therefore. Comfort one another with these words. That's key. That's key. When I was reading this again, I was thinking about that old, um, that old song, I Got Sunshine. What is it? On a, on a cloudy day, when it's cold outside, I got the month of May. That's why I say, you know what? We do have sunshine on a cloudy day because the Lord could come back for us. But here's the, here's the crux of it, guys. So, so this morning, I, I want to talk to you about being ready. Watch, therefore, and be ready. And see, these are not my words. These are actually the, the words of the Lord Jesus. Look at verse 42 of Matthew 24 with me. Jesus says, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Look at verse 44. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So what are we talking about here? Well, again, remember, prophecy, the way the Lord looks at it, he can take us from the beginning of the tribulation to mid-trib to before the trib to the second coming, all of this. Let me give you my point. I want to give you my point. I want you to jot this down. You ready? Here's the point of the whole message. Watch and be ready. If you get nothing else out of this, watch and be ready. And in this section, here's what the Lord's going to do. You ready? He's, he, we're going to talk about the parable of the fig tree. Watch and be ready. That's the first part. Then Jesus is going to talk about as in the days of Noah. As in the days of Noah. Watch and be ready. Let me say this. In another part of Scripture, it says not only in the days of Noah, but he says as in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. So you actually take it one step further. What was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah? They were all crazy, sexual, crazy, just weird stuff. And then the third section we're going to look at is the faithful servant. The faithful servant. Watch and be ready. Okay, so we got a lot to do. Let's jump in. We're going to pick it up in verse 32. Let's talk about the parable of the fig tree. Now, Jesus is, is talking in context of a season before the rapture. Your question, how do you know? Because deductive reasoning tells us when the mid-trib point is and the post-trib is. So Jesus presents a brief parable to demonstrate how the disciples should discern the signs of the times just as the fig tree gives clear indication as to when the summer will arrive. So too will the events of this chapter indicate the arrival of the Son of Man. Now, before we jump in, I have to tell you, because we're a Bible teaching church, you'll have scholars come up and say, He's not talking future. This happened in 70 AD. When the Romans came in and destroyed, this is all fulfilled. 
And you go, no, 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 no. He's not talking about the rapture. He's talking about the second coming. And so the second coming is when the Lord comes back to earth. And so he goes, he's not talking. And then you'll have those go, no, 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 he's talking about the rapture because there's some operative words that Jesus used. You go, well, Ben, which one is it? I don't know. I really don't have, and I'll show you why. I'll show you why. And just digging, I'll look at this person. He goes, no, no, it's over here. And then I'll go, okay, but, but here's, okay, so well, let's just jump in, okay? Jesus is speaking. Notice what he says in verse 32. Now learn the parable, now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branches already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. Now, here's an interesting fact about fig trees, okay? They bloom right before summer. Everyone in earshot of this would go oh yeah duh right jesus you're okay i get it because if you walked around and said oh there's a fig tree and it started to turn green guess what you said it's summer now some of you don't like summer it's too hot i don't like summer i like fall see there's somebody (laughs) we got one amen but this is how you would know this is how you would know. We know this. We know that this parable is a reference to Israel. Whenever a fig tree is mentioned in Scripture, it's always reference to Israel. You guys with me? So when he says, okay, when you know, guess what? This is a parable of Israel, of Israel. And again, think about this. Think about this. In May 14th, 1948, Israel did something that has never been done before. They became a nation after being just completely annihilated. Unbelievable. Okay? And since this day, we have seen Israel flourish like never before. It's been incredible. Mark Twain, back in the 1800s, decided to make a trip to Israel, and he quoted this. This is a hopeless, dreary, heartbroken land. That's what he said. They actually show some pictures of the place in Galilee when Mark Twain showed it, and it's, it, well, it looks a lot like Lubbock. It's dirt and dry and desolate, and uh, not that Lubbock is like that, but we need rain. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? We have more dirt than grass. But you go there today. You go there today, and it is green and fertile like never before. And it's unbelievable. And so Jesus says, verse 33, so you also, he's telling the guys, when you see these things, know that it's near at the doors. Know that it's near. What's he talking about? And here's the biggest question. Is he talking about the second coming? Or is he talking about the rapture of the church? We know that there's going to be a harpazo. We just learned it, okay? It's a hard podzo. But he's talking to his disciples. He's telling them about Israel. So the cross-reference scripture is Luke 21, 28. Now, Luke's not talking to uh, Jewish people, but he says this. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. So we have to ask, what things is Luke talking about? What things? What's well, the same things that we've been talking about for the last two weeks? You go, what? Number one, listen to me. The things that we've talked about is saints being deceived. You have to grasp that. We cannot be deceived. We have to stand and know the word of God. We, that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to deceive us. He wants to deceive us. I was listening on the way to church this morning to a fella at 8.30. He's on Radio by Grace, and he was talking about uh, um, the revelation. And he was talking about just all of the stuff, and I thought, wow, that, was, that guy's pretty good. But he was talking about being deceived. And how, how the people are going to be um, deceived with the mark thinking it's a good thing, thinking it's going to get people back to normal or whatever it might be, and yet it's going to be deception across the board. 
I'm like, okay, okay. He says, we need to, we need to, what things are we taught? False Christs. False Christ. You know, back in Jesus' day, there were a lot of false Christs, but there's a lot of false Christs today. There are people standing up saying, I'm the Christ. And I believe when the rapture takes place, there's going to be a lot of people standing up going, I'm the Messiah. Because Jesus says, hey, if you hear that he's in the desert, don't go. Don't go. Yeah, but this dude's got signs and wonders. He's calling lightning down from heaven. Church, do we follow signs and wonders? We don't. Okay? Because the enemy can do signs and wonders. We follow the word of God. Just because somebody comes in and says, watch this, I can do miracles, I can do this, I can do that, we have to have discerning spirits. And we go, no, I I need to stick to the word of God. Could you imagine if somebody came up here behind the pulpit or on television or wherever you might see and says, well, I don't follow God's word. Let me show you. I have a new revelation and begins to do miracles. How many people would follow him? It's very scary, and we have to follow the word of God. The other things we talked about were wars. Been around forever, rumors of wars. He says, when you see nation rise against nation, are we not saying that today? What about kingdoms against kingdoms? Famines. See, we don't call it a famine. What do we call it? A food shortage. Just, just yesterday or two days ago, another grain plant caught on fire. Found it very interesting. I saw the video. The video is, is, is a, a small fire broke out in the grain field, in the grain plant. The fire department got over there and put it out. And as you know, with fires, there's some hot spots that can come up, but, but under, under the fire department's watch, a few hours later, it actually burned all the way to the ground. Is that not weird? I mean, they, they put it out. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, well, what happened? You're watching it. And then it, it, what, what's that, what does that mean to you? It means more food shortage. Even you guys know. You guys know if you go to the grocery store, you're going, where's all the pasta? Where's all the spaghetti? Where's all the eggs? Where's pestilences? Earthquakes. All these things. You go, well, what's the point? You guys ready? Watch and be ready. Watch and be ready. Jesus says, surely I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to circle that word for generation because sometimes we think it's a, it's a length of time. And so if Jesus says, well, here's a length of time, then we go, well, wait a minute. It's been 2,000 plus years. He was wrong. No, here's the word. It can mean race. It can mean family. And so what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, now, again, this makes more sense because he's saying, the Jewish race will be preserved and will be in spite of terrible persecution. Okay, think about it again. Uh, surely I say to you, the Jewish race will by no means pass away until all these things take place. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. And in verse 34, again, it teaches us the events described will cover a generation of time. And a generation means the generation alive at the time, not the generation alive when Christ was speaking. So now you have a double meaning. You have a Jewish race plus the generation that is alive, not when they were alive back then. Okay, well, what happens? Well, he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. What does Jesus mean by this? Well, Jesus is telling us that future and present heaven and earth that we have today will pass away. We know that. Yet his words are never going to pass away. Your attention, please. Think about what the psalmist is telling us in Psalm 119. Every verse except for two is about the word of God. 
Every verse is like, Lord, bring me back to your word. Help me to keep your precepts, your statutes, your testimonies. What should be the most important thing in your life, church? It should be the word of God. We should know it. We should memorize it. We should study it. We should meditate on it. You see, for us in 2022, church should not be something that we just do. Church shouldn't be like, well, that's where I attend. That should not be in our vocabulary. We should be, I'm part of a family, and I want the Word of God, and I need to know, and I want to grow. I have to, because the Lord said, these things are going to pass away, but His words, my words, are not going to pass away. Once again, what's he saying? He's saying, watch and be ready. I like the way Paul puts it. Look at this. Romans 13, jot this down. Romans 13, 11 and 12. Paul writes, and I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for your salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Can I get an amen? Amen. Isn't that true? This is what he's saying. And he wrote it to the Romans then. And you know, when you first got saved, how much closer it is today. Wake up. The enemy says, hey, 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 just chill, chill. It's okay. Here's the biggest lie the enemy is going to tell you. You have plenty of time. You can get right. You You can read the Bible tomorrow. You got plenty of time. And that's the biggest lie. We don't have time. We don't know if the Lord, if we're going to walk out of here and hear the trumpet sound. Well, we don't know if we're going to walk out of here and die. We don't know. We don't know. You see, we can talk about death at Calvary Chapel from the pulpit because for the believer, it's really not death. It's simply moving from one place to another. And it's not something, as a believer, we should fear. We know what's going to happen. If the good Lord doesn't come back for 100 years, it's going to happen to every one of us. That's okay. But we have to be watch. We have to watch and be ready. Wake up. Notice what he says. He says, your salvation is nearer than when you first believed. I got saved at 17. And I won't tell you how old I am today. But it's closer than ever before. It's closer. For some of you, man, I love you guys. But you tell me. I... I understand, Pastor. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the fourth quarter of my life. You don't understand. It's such a reality that Jesus is around the corner. And I'm not even talking hard podzo. I'm talking about, okay, my body's going to stop and I'm going to go be with him. Pastor Soph, every time he has a birthday... I'll text him on his birthday, and he tells me the same thing every year. One more year closer to Jesus. That's all he says. One more year closer. One of these days, it might be true. I don't know. One more year. But that's true, right? It's one more year. And uh, that's how he looks at time. Every birthday is one year closer to going home and being with the Lord. So, We need to watch, and we need to be ready. We need to be ready. Why? Because think about this. Think about what he's going to tell us in the next verses. Look at verse 36. He says, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. Okay, so... Here's where where we got to do some work. We've got to do some work, okay? At Calvary Chapel, Lubbock, we hold to a pre-tribulation rapture, okay? That's 
a rapture that's going to happen before the tribulation. That's going to happen before the seven-year tribulation. I have the utmost respect for those who hold on to a mid-trib. You go, what's a mid-trib? They believe the Lord Jesus is going to come back in the three-and-a-half-year mark. That's a mid-trib point. You also have other people who believe in post-trib. That's somebody who believes that we're going to go, the church is going to go through the seven years of tribulation, although being protected, and the Lord's going to come back at seven years. We hold to a mid-trib or a pre-trib rapture. Why? Well, let me just say this. All three sides can be argued by Scripture. You can argue, argue, argue. And uh, here's the thing. I'm at the age now where I'm not going to argue with you. I know that I've studied enough to believe everything points to a pre-trib rapture. Let me let me very quickly tell you. I mean, we could we could spend hours on this, but let me tell you very quickly. We we looked at First Thessalonians chapter four verse eighteen, right? After after declaring a sudden and violent expulsion of the church, because that's what our puzzle means. It means to snatch up quickly. Okay, it's the word harpazo. He tells us comfort one another with these words, comfort. Okay, now let me stop right there, because. You have people who will come on. I saw one, as a matter of fact, yesterday on Instagram and said, the rapture of the church was made up in the 1800s. But, and, and, and that's kind of where they go. See, it, it just didn't happen. And, and, but if you go back, uh, early of our church fathers, way back in the second, first and second and third century, they were talking about Thessalonians. They were talking about the rapture of the church. And so, here's the thing. If we believed in a mid-trib, I don't know if that's a lot of comfort. Why? Because I'm going to tell you that for three and a half years, you're going to live in a world that's ruled by Satan. That's not much comfort. Hey, good luck out there. You go, well, what about a post-trib? Well, think about that. That's even worse. For seven and a half years, you're going to have to be on the run, ruled by a governmental, ruled by Satan himself for seven years worldwide. What are we going to do? Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Can the Lord protect us? Of course. But everything from Daniel all the way through, all the way through, has led me to believe in a pre-trib Rapture. Number two, the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. He writes, after the Antichrist signs a peace treaty with Israel. That's coming. You guys understand that, right? There will be exactly 1,260 days before he enters the temple to offer swine and claim he's God and tell people to worship him. It actually shows a time times and half a times. That's three and a half years. So, if you and I are watching, and we get late breaking news on our phones, and and, and oh, brother so-and-so just signed peace treaty. The whole world goes nuts. Why? Because Israel is allowed on the temple mount. They've built their temple. This is incredible. History making. They've set up a wall in between. Both the Muslims can have their Dome of the Rock and Israel. Guess what happens? We can count three and a half years before we know when the abomination of desolation is coming in. So we would know when the Lord is coming back if we hold a mid-trip. Oh, he's coming back. Okay. Uh, Okay. If we were here and we hold a post-trib and we saw the abomination of desolation, we know it was three and a half years until the end of the tribulation or we would know that there's seven years from the signing of the peace treaty. In other words, the point is is that we would know. We would know when the Lord was coming back 
in the harpazo, in the rapture. But what if the Lord is talking about the second coming? What if we are raptured, but he's talking to Israel and he's talking about the second coming? Let me give you that as well, because I don't want you to not be informed. Let's just say that we're raptured, but he's talking specifically to Israel. And he says, and he says to Israel, what's he saying? But of that day, nobody knows. Of that day, that's what he's saying, right? Nobody knows. And of that day. Nobody knows the hour. Okay, so so your attention, please. I've I got to give this, and like I said, I was I was wrestling with this the whole time. Let's just say we're raptured. We believe we believe we're gone. We're in heaven. We're having, but the Jewish people are here, and he's saying, "Okay, I'm speaking to Jewish people, but you don't know when the Lord's coming back. You don't know the day or the hour." But a Jewish person goes, "Wait, in May May fifteenth, twenty twenty or twenty twenty three next year, um, the Antichrist signed a peace treaty. That's when the tribulation started." If we went three and a half years, could we honestly say May 15th, right? 23, 24, 25, 26. Uh, it would be hard to pinpoint a specific day or hour. You guys with me? Or even, or even seven, it would be hard. So, of course, nobody would know the day or the hour. You'd be like, oh, well, we wouldn't know the second coming because... He's not exactly, well, he signed the peace treaty on May 15, 2023, so he's going to come back May 15, 3030, or 2030, sorry, on that specific day. We wouldn't know that, would we? So he could be, come on church, he could be talking about, or he could be talking about both. You see, there's a thing as a dual prophecy. He's speaking here and he's speaking to Israel. Okay? So we know, let's go back to the rapture, because in Revelation chapter 12, verse 6, it says, The woman, speaking of the Jews, fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared for, by God, and they, and they should feed her there 1,260 days. Guess what that is? Exactly three and a half years. So you could pinpoint for us exactly the day the peace treaty was signed. Now, I want you to look at it again. Look at it again. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but, but my Father only. Now, let's talk about rapture. Let's talk about rapture for a second. On a more practical level, due to the time changes, nobody knows. You, you guys understand that, right? Why? Because, for example, do you realize in Guam right now, they are 15 hours ahead? So right about now, it's 2 a.m. Monday morning. It's already Monday in Guam. And so you go, well, he's coming back at 11.07. Well, it's not 11.07 Sunday for them, is it? So just time zones alone make it impossible. Makes it impossible. So what's the point? You ready? Will you watch and be ready? And I guess I, I, guess I would exhort us not to compromise our walks. Not to flirt with the world. Not to think that we have more time. It's really, really simple. You ready? Jot this down. You had before, but I'm going to say it again. Plan your life like Jesus isn't coming back for a 100 years. Be healthy. Go to school. Do the things you do. But live your life like he's coming back today. That's, that's as easy as it can be. We live our lives, we give, we, but we plan for our kids to go to college. Or we plan for our vacation next year. Or we plan. It's okay. But we live like he's coming back in the next five seconds. Or maybe the next five. Or maybe the next five. That's the point. He's telling us to watch and be ready for you never know when the Lord will come for his church. So Ben, what should we look for? What should we look for? Well, Jesus takes us right before. Notice what he says in verse 37. But as the days of Noah 
were, so also the coming of the Son of Man be. Let's look at it, guys. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Until that day, Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all the way. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, again, look at this. Okay, so rapture, tribulation. You guys know how bad the tribulation is going to be. It's going to be all hell on earth. I mean, if you study Revelation, I don't know what's going to be left of the earth. You guys with me? I don't think during judgment of God, Satan, Christians gone, that people are going to want to go, oh, let's get married. The Christian, listen, marriage is a biblical concept. And we go, oh, I want to be married because it's right in God's eyes. When the Christians are gone, yes, there's going to be tribulation saints, I don't think they're going to go, well, we, let's just, we're, we're going to give in marriage. And it's, because the implication is in the days of Noah, nobody realized that judgment was coming. Therefore, it brings me back to the rapture. Because that's what's happening today, is it not? We have this huge pestilence. We have this huge pandemic. We have all of this stuff happening day after day, all the all, all crazy stuff happening. And what happens is that we're still trying to get back to, what's the word? Normal. What's normal? Well, it's, it's, it's still having good, it's having good weddings. I, I mean, seriously. We're in the days of Noah. Go ask your friend. Go ask your friend if Jesus is coming back. They'll be like, What? Ask your coworker, hey, what do you think about what's going on in the world? What, what do you think? You see, you and I are ready. But Jesus points out that right before the flood, even though Noah was preaching to them, hey, guys, hey, hey, flood's going to come. <laughs> Noah, you old coot. You just don't know. Come on, Noah. Hey, did you see what Noah's doing? Oh, my goodness. What would you post about Noah on Facebook? Oh, my gosh, here's the crazy guy. Oh, he's got half of that, that ark up. Mm, okay, way to go, Noah. Twitter's all of rage because that's basically what it is. I don't think there were churches going, okay, Noah's getting, let's go help. We're, we're ready, we're ready, we're ready. You ready? I'm ready, you ready. But we've never seen rain before. I don't care. Listen, you and I have never seen the stuff that we saw before. Never. We have never seen a world go into lockdown. Ever. Now, if you're like 130, you probably saw the Spanish flu, something close to what we did, but I don't think anybody's 130 in here. So we've, we haven't seen any of this stuff. You and I have never seen a rapture. We've read about it. We saw, but we've never, but we're going to experience that. And that's what freaks us out. Why? Because we're going, Lord, am I, am I right? Am I right with you? Because we base it on our behavior, not on the cross of Jesus Christ. If you're get left behind because of what you think you've done and not on the cross, then Jesus isn't God. And that should bring comfort. You're going to go because of what Jesus, because he is love and he died for you. And he said, he said, here, you want to be saved? He said, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. You'll be saved. Just believe. And we believe. We believe. As in the days of Noah. Think about this. Why do I believe that we're a pre-trib rapture? Okay? Because when the floods came, what happened to the ark? It got lifted up. Just like us. Okay? Then judgment happened, 
And eventually what happened? It came back down and came back to earth. What was wrong? The earth was all flooded. It was a brand new renewed earth, was it not? Kind of the same thing with us. Kind of the same thing with us. We're going to go and we're going to have filet mignon with the Lord in heaven. Great marriage supper of the Lamb. Seven years and then we're going to come back down to a renewed earth. And he's going to rule and reign. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious. But because we're a Bible teaching church, I need to give you both scenarios. Why? Because Warren Wearsby, a man I really respect, says this. Just as Noah and his family survived the flood, so Israel will survive the tribulation. In Noah's day, the flood took people in judgment and left Noah and his family to dwell on a cleansed earth. When God's judgment falls in the tribulation, one will be taken in judgment and the other left on earth to enter the glorious kingdom. So Warren Wearsby, a scholar that I really admire, believes that he's talking about the second coming. And so that's why I said I was wrestling with this. Oh, which is it? Well, the point is, listen, we may not know, but watch and be ready. Because Thessalonians says, okay, okay. Notice, there's no reason why any of us should go through the tribulation. Look at verse 40. For two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. If you are worried about your salvation, don't go to a field with another Christian. <laughs> if you're going to take it literally, right? Can you imagine? There you are, and I'm like, I, I find myself in the mill with another woman. One of us is going to go. Ah! When I looked it up, does that not sound like the rapture? Does it not? One will be taken and the other left. But I'm laying in bed last night, and I'm thinking, what if the word taken doesn't mean taken? It's an English word. What if it doesn't? So I got up this morning and I looked up. Guess what it means? It doesn't mean taken. It doesn't mean snatched or pulled away. It means one. It means learned. Learned. And you go, what does left mean? The other means. The other means is, is someone who's who's sorry. Someone who's who's crying. Someone who's. And so again, you're going. Okay. So where are we? Watch and be ready. Watch and be ready. Why? Because look at verse 42. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know that this, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So Jesus used Noah to warn men that will not know the day and he uses a picture of a burglar to warn that they will not know the hour. Okay? Here's the point. In your house right now, here's the point. If you knew the burglar was coming to rob you, you wouldn't know what hour he's coming to rob you. Okay? He's not going to go, hey, I'm going to go to your house at uh, 2 a.m. But if you knew he was coming tonight, Brother would stay up all night. Ready. It doesn't matter what hour he's coming. You're ready, right? Well, Jesus said, he says, he's coming at an hour you don't expect. Here's the thing, church. We're expecting him today. We're expecting him. So is he talking to us or is he talking to Israel? You're like, Ben, you're really confusing me. I know. But the point is, watch him be ready. Watch and be ready, because he could be talking to both. He could be talking to both. Can I give you a what if? I know people go, I hate what ifs. What if? What if right now, because of the pandemic and everything, you and I are watching and we're looking up and going, well, we're ready for the Lord to come back anytime. Lord, you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. And then all of a sudden, things change in 2024, and we get our world back, and we're not globalists anymore. We're nationalists, and 
gas prices go down and inflation goes down and things seem to get back to normal. We're able to, you know, and, and COVID seems to go bye-bye and nobody's really getting sick anymore. And, and all of a sudden, would we be watching the Lord and ready? Or would we be going, oh, we got four years of this. All right. It's just a what if, okay? It's, I'm away from the pulpit, just my opinion, just something for you guys to chew on at lunch. What if? What if? I don't think that's what he's talking about. But I know this is what he's talking about. Look at verse 44. Therefore, you also be ready. Okay? Notice, you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you don't expect. What do you think he's talking about? Here's what he's trying to do. He's trying to impress on all of his disciples at all times to always be spiritually ready. For instance, we don't know when we will die. You have to be ready. That's what he's saying. You don't know. Even if we were to figure out precisely when Christ was coming back to earth, his return still might still catch us individually by surprise as we might die before. And what he's saying is be spiritually ready, even including death. Death. we got to hurry. He finishes up with the faithful servant. Notice verse 20, uh, 45. Who then is faithful and is a wise servant? whom his master made a ruler over his household and given them food in due season. Notice what he said. Blesses that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find do- so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him a ruler of all his goods. In other words, here's what he's saying. A faithful, sensible servant is one whom his master can give responsibility of managing his or her households full of servants and feeding them. And when he returns, he finds that servant has done a good job and is ready to get a reward. Here's what he's saying. He's saying a faithful servant is occupying until he comes. We're serving. We're loving. Church, this is where it gets good. This is where you and I need to step it up and love the people of Lubbock, Texas. This is where we need to be. This is where we need to be. Okay? Because that's the difference. What what are we going to do while we're waiting? I got an idea. Why don't we all buy, go in together and we'll buy a big piece of land out in the country and we'll build a big compound and we'll just sit there and we'll wait for the Lord to come. We'll get on each other's nerves. Are you kidding me? That's not what God wants. God says, okay, here's what we're going to do. Ready? Everybody huddle. Stay busy. There's people out there that need you. Stay busy. Tell others. Hey, take some of your money, your resources, and bless people. How about that? Invite them to church. Love on them. Pray for them. Ready? One, two, three, break. That's what he's saying. Why would we do that? Because we know the Lord's coming back for us. How cool would it be? How cool would it be to go to heaven being his servant? How cool would that be? What if we're in the midst of a battle? We're fighting the swords. We've got spiritual battles. We're, yeah, we got, we got all that stuff. And, and man, I want to go to heaven ready to go with the, with, with the wounds of, of, of being a servant. I'm ready. I want to go like James. They used to call James old camel knees. Do you remember that? Why? Because he was always praying. He was always, his knees looked beat up. They called him camel knees, all worn out. Because he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. Church, we need to be praying for the lost. We have a, we have a city that needs Jesus. Not in name only. That's not going to do anything. We have a city that needs Jesus, and they're looking at your life. We want, we want to be going, okay. And so what happens is that we're busy. We're busy. We're serving. And we hear the rapture. Pfft, we're out of here. We're expecting it. How many of you watch and be ready? We're ready. How many of you are ready? Right? Some of us believe, but we're not watching. We need to be watching. Why? Because look at verse 48. 
But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming. So what does he do? He begins to beat his fellow servants, to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him. And that hour when he's not aware, and he will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This blew my mind, and I'll tell you why. I've heard on more than one occasion when I talk about all that's going on in the world today, all that we've been through in the last three years, come on somebody, all the signs that we have seen Jesus coming back. As a matter of fact, somebody sent me, somebody sent me a, a video. I can't remember who right now. Amazon is already, it's the palm. You can pay with your palm. It's basically, it's a boop. And what it is, it's kind of like how we, your phone, you know how they started with the face recognition? You lift up your phone and it looks at you and then it unlocks. Same thing right here. Is that the mark? No, it's not the mark. But it's preparing the world for, and so what happens is you put your credit card in and then they have a scanner and you go, beep. Thank you, Mr. Martinez. Here's your package. Wow. The technology's there. Think about some of you in 1948 when Israel became a nation. You go, I wasn't born. Good. Neither, neither was I. But some of you were. And you think, could the Lord come back now? Well, no, because we haven't had the technology. Even in the 70s. Do you guys remember the 70s movie? It was like, here's the mark. It was like a tattoo. I mean, it was weird. But now we have, we have the technology. We can make him stronger than he was. Faster. That's a reference to the bionic man. Never mind. <laughs> but I've had people tell me, I've had people tell me and get angry. No, no lie. They get angry when I say, hey, listen, Jesus could come back in 2023. Jesus come back today. Jesus come back in the next six months and they would get angry with me and they would start quoting scripture. Well, no one knows the day or the hour. How dare you? I had someone tell me that he could come back a hundred years from now and that's what a generation meant. I'm not interested in arguing, okay, because I know what a generation means. He wasn't talking. Anyway, you understand, right? I could have went straight to... And, and I didn't, and I just smiled, but I just wondered, why are you so upset with me telling you that Jesus is coming back? Either you're not ready, or you're a wicked servant. Whether you believe it or not, or whether you're ready, you should just be like, amen. Hey, Jesus is coming back. No, he's not. Wow, whoa, 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 whoa. Where did that come from? If I told you unicorns were real, you don't get mad at me. Why? I mean, you know what the point is? The point is really simple. Watch and be ready. Watch and be ready. Jesus is warning us, and I believe it has a dual prophecy. I believe it's for the, I believe it's for the, the Lord is coming back. He's coming back for us. So let me, let me give you the what if. Ben, what if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? And the Lord decides to rapture us in the middle of the tribulation. Then I'm wrong. God will protect you. It doesn't, it doesn't change your salvation and it doesn't change mine. I just can't comfort you that way. What if you say, well, well Ben... The Lord's going to come back for us. I mean, it's going to be a weird thing because we're going to be raptured and then he's going to bring us back down. It's going to be a crazy ride. I don't know where the seven years is in, but if that's the case, then I go, well, then I'm wrong. And, and that's okay. I don't mind being wrong. But the extensive study that I've done and the people that I've listened to all point to that he's coming back for us. And that's where your hope is, church. And so I want to close really simple with this, with just an invitation. You see, a lot of us believe, but are you watching and are you ready? Are you watching and are you ready? And have you surrendered your life to him? Have you joined the family of God? 
You see, in just a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to surrender to your life to him. The Bible says the time is now. Well, Ben, Ben, I have one quick question before you give an invitation. I have one quick question. What is it? What if Jesus doesn't come back for the next 10 years? Here's the answer. Then you've lived your life for him for 10 years being ready. Listen to me. I would rather you be warned and ready than for you to say, oh, my master's delaying. It's all right. It's all right. I'd rather you be ready. Can I get an amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. And Father, again, just a wrestle, and I pray your spirit would teach us. Many, many wonderful men, many scholars believe differently than I do, and I, and I appreciate that. But I trust, Lord, that you would comfort us with your words. I believe with all of my heart, God, that you're coming back for your church. Just like you did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Just like you did with Daniel. You showed us very clearly and I believe, Lord, that those that's the comfort. Our comfort is that hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.